This is the Radio Talks podcast from Learning Waves. Welcome to episode two of Radio Talks, the podcast from Learning Waves. And uh, thank you very much indeed for all the positive comments that we received in relation to episode one, and long may it last. (laughs) As we continue on this episode of Radio Talks, we will be talking to Sean Ashmore, who's the CEO of Sunshine 106.8, the number one market share station in Dublin, a music station that is, and also Peter McPartlett will be on with some tips, tricks and insights into the IMRO Awards. And that's well worth a listen, I can guarantee you. We'll also have Hannah here with the Learning Waves news. But first, though, let's talk about the Learning Waves Journalism Graduate Programme, a programme which was set up in 2019. It ran in 2021 and 2022. Uh, A graduate programme where 10 journalism graduates were placed in 10 different radio stations for a period of five months. One of the successful candidates joins us now, Shannon Redmond. Shannon, would you recommend that people go for this programme? I think you do need to go for it and you do need to get the insight um, onto how, how these things work, especially in radio um, and in local radio, especially. It's good to learn every single angle. It's great to learn how to present. It's great to learn how to do the news. It's great to learn how to produce. Um, and the graduate program really covers a lot of that news current affairs side of things um, and it's really good to try it out at least then if you know like I personally did like it but if, at least if you didn't like it you would know because you gave it a good go um, a thousand percent I could not recommend the program enough you you got a job out of it I did indeed I work for KCLR um, so I did get a full-time contract with them after and it's, it's in current affairs as well um, and I quite I love I love my job I really do um I do quite a bit of producing and um, I do present I do I do jump in the news every now and then when it's needed as well um so it's you no know, I know I do and I'm grateful because I wouldn't have the skills that I have if it wasn't for the graduate program I did do tv and media production in um SETU it was IT Carlo at the time and we did a radio module but I, I can't explain how much information you learn from the graduate program it's just in depth it's in depth of every single thing you would need to know working in the newsroom what do you love most I am a talker, as you can imagine. <laughs> so I, I get it, up. yeah. So I do love presenting and being in front of the mic is, is what I love the most. Um, so that that's my go-to for sure. But having the skills in all the other areas has, it, you know, it's helped me hugely in my career so far because I know that if there's an issue, I can jump in somewhere and help out. And it's just, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. So the facts speak for themselves. Shannon Redmond working successfully in KCLR as a result of the Learning Waves graduate programme. For more details on the programme, just log on to learningwaves.ie. Thank you for listening to the Radio Talks podcast from Learning Waves. Still to come, we will be talking to Sean Ashmore from Sunshine 106.8 and also Peter McPartland from the IMRO Awards with some helpful insights and some tips and tricks. So stay with us for that. First though, Hannah Casey has the Learning Waves news for this week. We are currently recruiting for our journalism graduate programme. Applications have closed and we are now interviewing successful candidates. Our radio presenter course is now open for applications. See all details on our website. We will be attending the News Exchange Conference in the Convention Centre on the 19th and 20th of June. There will be speakers from all over the world looking at reporting from the front line of war, climate, diversity, AI and much more. 34 managers from across the industry have been inducted into our senior management alumni for 2023. We are delighted to welcome Thinkhouse to our trainer panel for 2023. And we look forward to our first workshop with Claire Highland and Laura Costello on the 20th of June. 
Also, we have partnered with Design, ISME and Print and Packaging Skillnet to run a series of innovation and creative workshops with Russell and Alison Beck from Imagine Think Do. Now for industry news. The closing date for the IMRA Awards is getting close. No need to remind all our listeners that the closing date is the 29th of June. IBI have launched the Ours to Protect project, a unique and exciting audio project that will see 23 local and regional radio stations broadcast over 1,200 new and unique programmes devoted to climate change in the next 12 months. If you want to find out what radio stations near you are participating and you'd like to get involved, head over to ourstoprotect.ie for more information. In upcoming courses... Youth Culture Uncovered with Claire Highland and Laura Costello from Think House will take place on the 20th of June. This is a 90-minute workshop looking at research from Youth Lab at Think House and the impact it will have for radio content and radio advertising. Also, our TikTok for Journalists course happening next week is fully booked, but rest assured, we will have Mark Egan from Purple Bridge Media back in the coming months for additional dates on this. Stay tuned for dates on this course, one that's sure to grab a lot of attention. Man versus Machine, the impact AI will have on the way we work with Donna Humphreys from Think House on the 28th of June. There are still places left on the Interviewing Skills Radio Presenters course taking place online on the 23rd and 24th of June. This will be delivered by Paul Conley from Lapa Communications and will look at interview styles and techniques, which can lead to more engaging and revealing audio. Lots to come, Andy, from September onwards. Be sure to keep an eye on our training calendar by going to learningwaves.ie and following us on all social media channels. You're listening to the Radio Talks podcast from Learning Waves. So the most recent Jane Lore survey from May was released and Sunshine 106.8 continues to be Dublin's number one music station on market share. Um, obviously, it's been a long road for Sunshine, from Dublin's country to Sunshine 106.8. I first asked Sean Ashmore, the CEO of Sunshine 106.8, what changed to make Sunshine the success that it is today? Well, I think what I'd say on that is that nothing ever happens quickly. And I suppose you have to remember that Sunshine, or at least the station on 106.8, has been on the air for 22 years. And for the first 13 years, up until 2014, the station operated under a particular licence format or remit, which was a mixture of country and country crossover and Irish. And when you say what happened, well, what happened in 2014 when we went through licence renewal, we uh, applied for and successfully got permission to change the format into a mixture of um, country crossover, Irish and soul, soul music being soul, classic soul, blue eyed soul. And that would have laid the foundations for where we are today. How long is the station on the air now? So it originally launched uh, as Dublin's Country in October 2001. Uh, it renamed itself as Sunshine 106.8 in October uh, 2010. And it would have had that, I suppose, permission to to modify the music output as part of its licence in uh, late 2014. Okay, so... It took a while, <laughs> but, I, but I think that's the point that, uh, y- you know, the station started on its current journey nine years ago and uh, and I suppose has been consistent in what it has been doing, uh, really with very little change since uh, a new schedule was put on the station after it kind of repositioned in late 2014. And that's the same schedule you hear on the station today, the, the same lineup, the same presenters. So I, I suppose you'd agree with the, the old analogy, consistency is key. Well, I, I think I think it's very important and I think it's been very important to us. For those listening, what insights would you give to 
those who are maybe thinking about a slight change of format or maybe a major change of format. Any insights you'd like to offer? Well, I I suppose when you look at where you can go and what you can do, uh, and every station has those restrictions, there's some kind of uh, obligation or permission within the license that allows you to be what you are, and it might be set out by age, could be by music format, which is our case, or it could be by by area, you know, the, the situation for a lot of local stations. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to look at what are the things you can do that will be most effective. And generally, in a lot of cases, you have to balance that with maybe the things you've, you've promised somewhere along the line um, to be the chosen one to operate the license. But to to try and amplify those things within the output is is probably the the trick but you know it's not something that stations don't do i think everybody's trying to do that but if you were to focus on one thing it would be to look at the output and see where else can you be kind of always playing your trump card is there one particular element that you thought to yourself oh, i'd never do that again <laughs> i'd say it's quite a long list and <laughs> i'd say anybody who's honest with themselves you know would would say that um you know, for for I've I've been involved in in Sunshine since two thousand and four, so so almost twenty years, uh, and in other radio stations, you know, going back even even longer, and I think one of the things that you know you need to do is look back and say, is there a decision I made or something I put in place, which at the time was the best idea or was a good idea or at least wasn't a bad idea, and mm-hmm. that things have moved on either for the station or for the audience, and n- not to be. Um, I suppose too committed to your past decisions to go back and and change something, uh, you know. And I would say that, like in in the, in the case of Sunshine, um, you know, it's successful now, but it's had two decades of hard work to to get there. And I'd say that seventy five percent of of those two decades, from two thousand and one till twenty fifteen twenty sixteen, were were very tough years. Um, so like if you, were to, if you were to look back and say, what would you change? We were like, well, I wish we had have done then what we're doing now. Yeah. But um, part of that might have been around license obligations. A part of it is is learning, learning about the, about the market and learning what your strengths are. And I suppose the industry has changed too. What do you think of the industry today compared to when maybe you got the license 20 odd years ago? Well, I think a lot has changed. Um, and you know, I suppose it depends. You could take out a list and say, well, that was for the good and that's that's not so good. Um, I think radio today is still in really good health. I think, you know, audio is uh, probably more cool now than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And that's not necessarily about radio. That's about podcasts. That's about Spotify. It's about streaming. You know, it's 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 so available in so many different forms. But radio is part of that sphere. And I think that's the important thing for radio uh, to emphasize and and to to not forget but i think technology has made a number of things much easier we've mm-hmm. greater access to data uh some things are easier to do some things are cheaper to do so i think all of that is 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 good for for radio today but yeah i think that you know the radio industry is in very good health for something that's been around so long when you compare it to well, well print or, or press in particular and finally in our gimme 5 where do you see sunshine in the next 10 years, if you were to put the, the binoculars on and look into the future, where do you see it? Well, we're delighted with where we've got it to. Um, if we could uh, be in a similar position in 10 years, they'd be 10 very good years. But it's a very competitive market. And, y- you know, I think uh, if you've been around long enough, you know that good gen lores are usually followed by bad gen lores and there's a an ebb and a flow to it. I think in 10 years time, 
being on FM will be less important. Uh, I think it's still fairly important today. And maybe if you'd asked me this 10 years ago, I might have proved myself to be, to be wrong. But I think the the FM element to all radio stations operations is still really important. But you know, the rollout of digital will, will continue to happen in many forms. Some we probably haven't even thought of. For Sunshine, we'd like to continue building the brand as something that is synonymous with relaxation. And our view, you know, in marketing the station and that particular guys is that everybody likes to relax somewhere along the line. Everybody likes to do that. And if we can be uh, part of, um, I suppose, people's relaxation uh, methods or what they use when they want to chill, uh, that'd be a very good place to be. Listen, continued success. And again, Sean, you know, having seen Sunshine develop over the past while. It's a phenomenal product, phenomenal brand. It's all down to you and the team behind you. So listen, thanks very much indeed for joining us on the podcast today and continued success. Thanks, Andy. To get in touch, email info at learningwaves.ie. We don't have to remind many listening to this podcast that the Imro Awards closing date is very, very soon. And the man charged with managing all the judges and all the results is Peter McPartland. Peter uh, joins us on the line now. Peter, have you, how long have you been involved with the Imro Awards now? So this has been, or this will be my fourth year, Andy. Um, the first year that I did it, obviously pre, pre-COVID, when we could all meet in the one room, and we used to have it in the Imro building, um, where judges used to come to town, having listened to all of the entries, and we'd literally go through five days of judging in person. And it was great up to a point, but I think it limited the range of judges that we could actually get. So people that were coming mm-hmm. from different parts of the country couldn't actually put themselves forward when we were been, when, when we were asking them to, to consider judging because just it just wasn't practical. So in a way, I know COVID didn't bring too many good things, but I think it forced people to look at the way in which the judging was done. So we moved to an online um, process and that's run really smoothly over the course of the last two years and will be the same this year as well. All the listening clearly is done independently by the, by the judges themselves in their own personal time at uh, their own convenience, but within a particular time period. But then they come at a particular time to meet me and the other judges for the first time uh, in the Zoom room uh, towards the back end of August. And that's when the, uh, the the final kind of scoring is done, or at least the final ranking of, of the, the shortlist is done, you know. Yeah. And have you found that kind of that Zoom process has, has kind of sped things up a little bit for you or is it kind of Well, I, I tend to go into therapy at the end of it <laughs> because <laughs> five days of, of Zoom meetings, I can tell you now, it's not for the faint hearted, but look, it is much more efficient. And as I say, it allows for more judges from a wider variety of different stations and companies to get involved because they're scheduling it in as part of their, their normal day, as opposed to having to travel to Dublin, basically take a day to get there and then spend an hour in a room with me or whatever. So so it is much more efficient, and I think it's it's better from, from the industry's point of view to have that kind of broader spread of judges, you know? Yeah, I, well, I know certainly this time of year, there's panic in a lot of stations around the country yeah. going, what do I put in, what do I not put in? Yeah. How many entries do you receive on average? Peter? Well, it, it's it's gone up. Um, and I think, the to be fair to Imroad, fair to the Imroad uh, Awards Committee as well, they've made it easier and I think less costly for stations to enter. Uh, so typically the numbers have gone from around the kind of 650 to 700 entries wow. per year. So Again, I would expect that you know it's going to top the seven hundred entry mark again. 
Yeah. It isn't all about you know quantity, and I'll talk about that maybe later on. So again, I think one of the things I, I'd say to, to stations and to potential entrants is that look, you know, it's quality over quantity. Don't just feel that you stick a whole lot of entries in just because you can. Um, they, they'll all be listened to, but you know, sometimes you're only making up the numbers. The judging process itself, there is this kind of um, idea that it's it's like the Vatican. It's a closed room and people go in and eventually white smoke appears. But uh, just talk us through the judging process itself sure. as yeah. how that works. Okay, so so the judges are selected by the IMRO Awards Committee in the first instance. And then that, that long list of judges is run by me. By and large, people have judged before. Clearly, they're experienced. Uh, they know the way in which the format works, as in the format of judging works. Generally, we're looking for people with deep experience across program production, presentations, or station management. But then, in particular categories, you want people with expertise in, say, something like station imaging or digital marketing and innovation. And then, in, in clearly, in areas like music and music programming and so on. Not all of the judges are working within radio, and I think that's really important as well. So you're not necessarily coming with people that have, you know, who are their, their day job is in radio, but the people who, who are not coming from radio really ha- need to have a good appreciation of the medium and also an appreciation of different radio station formats and styles and presenter styles and so on. Uh, and they're basically able to park any personal preferences that they have at the judging door. And that's a large part of what I do is to just make sure that you know, clearly I can't, I can't be there when people are, are assessing each of the entries in their own time at home. But when they get into the room with me, that I'm really on the watch out for, to make sure that everything is above board and that, you know, up to a point, um, yes, per- personal preferences do come into it. But usually they're ironed out in, in the course of the discussion with the other judges in the room. And I rarely, rarely have to get involved where you go, really, guys, is that really the, the, the winning entry? Um, because usually it has a way of sorting itself out. With three judges, you usually end up with a consensus that that makes sense, and and that's usually the way in which I judge it on. So my role is not to judge or award marks on entries, but rather to ensure that the process is fair uh, and that each of the judges gets to explain their scoring in the room on the day, because I think in the past... And no disrespect to anybody who was involved in the past, but I know kind of more, if you like, more senior voices in a discussion may sway uh, the jury, the rest of the jury. And again, we've tried to eliminate that um, very, very much so, you know, so that everybody gets a chance to talk about the, their, their shortlisted entries and why they've chosen them. So, you, you know, you know your, your gold, silver or bronze selection is going to be maybe slightly different to mine, but nonetheless, you're, you you get a chance to justify why you've picked that, and we have a healthy discussion around each of them. Then you know, from your experience, and obviously you've kind of you've been at this for four years now. What do or where do entries fall down? Do you think um, there, there, there's generally a few areas where entries don't make the cut, and the most common ones, I'd say, a first of all, they haven't entered the right category, and then b they haven't read the right the entry criteria, which is kind of one-on-one stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the issues for the ones that don't make the cut or, or fall down is that, you know, basic non-compliance with the rules. And that usually applies around the length of the entry and editing of entries as well. So again, if you read almost every category up on the IMRA website, and some really helpful stuff there, which I'd say most people are not even aware of, don't read it, just get their entry in and then, God, why didn't we make the cut? You know, so basic stuff like t- 
telescoping in and out of music tracks, ad breaks, information segments. So that's permitted. Um, so and then per, the the edit points that within that should be marked by two seconds of dead air. I think is is the rough rule of thumb. But then there's no other editing permitted after that. So all right. other program material should be included in full. So for 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 instance. If you take the, you're not permitted to take the first three minutes of an interview, fade it down, and then include a further piece from that same interview. You have to either put in the whole excerpt from the interview, um, and make it make sure it falls clearly within the the, the time rule of the, of the particular category as well. And then any additional post production material, voice links, introductions, sign offs are not permitted. So again, I think some people f- forget that or choose to ignore it and maybe kind of polish an entry after the event, which, again, is strictly uh, not allowed. And judges are, are told to watch out for that, you know. And in your opinion, you know, obviously the cream rises to the top. Yes. What, what, what wins, do you think? Oh, it's, uh, it's not a stakeout secret, Andy, to be honest. You know, I think people say, oh, geez, what's the magic formula? The magic formula is actually, again, on the website. There's four criteria, and the ones that win are those that really satisfy those four criteria. First one is the presentation thing. Does the presenter appear knowledgeable, well rehearsed? Uh, is he or she polished and professional? So that's an obvious one. The production thing clearly uh, is the the piece or the entry that's been chosen. Is it well produced? Is the quality shining through? Creativity, because look, the awards ultimately are are about creativity. Um, is it you know original? Is it novel? Is it innovative? Again, I think again you need to almost put that filter on yourself when you're 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 submitting or considering submitting an entry, and then the final thing is the value to the listener. You know, does it connect? Does it entertain? And does it achieve its purpose? So you know, they're really the four criteria, and that's across the board. I think if people look back at the or listen back to the the the, uh, the awards that have won, the people that have won the awards over the last couple of years, you know, by and large, they're ticking the box across those four four criteria. Okay. And what about before we let you go, sure. would would you have any tips or, or advice? Like everything you've said there makes absolute sense. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you, you think, actually, do you know what, if somebody did that or, or thought about that, it'd make a difference? Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of contact me on the back of a five pound note or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say, look, again, without, as I stating the bleeding obvious, but again, select the right category and within that, I think have a listen to what won or made the shortlist in previous years and see if your entry really matches up to those. If it doesn't, then look, again, you're wasting your entry free money. Um, this is supposed to be about the best of the best. So just making up the numbers uh, doesn't make sense. So again, select the right category and have a listen to what what, what has won it in, in the past. Uh, again, read the award criteria. So review the entry guidelines uh, understand the aspects again that I've just outlined that the judges will be evaluating. So creativity, content, production value, audience engagement, all those things. Again, they're all on the website. And the third point, highlight creativity and originality. That's really, really key. Uh, I think from my point of view, but also from the judges' point of view as well, that you're looking for something that people can walk away from and say, Jesus, I'm delighted that, that that one won, or at least from the winner's point of view, I won because it was creative and it's original, and it really gives a good sense of how brilliant Irish radio can be, you know? No truer words said. Sound advice from Peter McPartland. 
So that wraps up episode two of the Radio Talks podcast from Learning Waves. Thank you very much indeed for listening. We hope you got something and learned something from today's episode. And remember to subscribe. That would be great. And also pass it on if you feel it's of benefit. Uh, If there's anything that you do need or would like to get in touch, it's info at learningwaves.ie. Hannah Casey produced. I'm Andy Matthews. And thank you very much indeed for listening to the Radio Talks podcast from Learning Waves. 